Hello and welcome to yet another episode of How Not to Suck at the Stocks. This is your host, Dan Hansen. This show is for entertainment purposes only and extremely not safe for work. This particular episode is Investing 203, How to Analyze a Company Quantitatively. So Value Line is a great resource for looking through a lot of companies' financials. You can access Value Line through your local library's website, except Value Line's website is mostly dog shit. So I opt to pay 200 bucks a year for the print version. If you don't want to spend any money, however, then I recommend ROIC.AI, Return on Invested Capital Artificial Intelligence. You get financial data going back over 10 years on thousands of companies. Uh, you know, this isn't a paid ad. I just really love the site, and uh, the founder's a great guy. So you should check it out, ROIC.AI. Okay, so I'm with the show. Uh, when I'm first looking at a value line, my eyes go straight to the revenue. I want to see the revenues double over the last seven years. Using the rule of 72, I know that if a company's sales have doubled in seven years, that comes out to about a 10% growth rate. Why 10%? Because it's a nice round number. If a company's growth has been stagnant over the last seven years, I'm probably not going to be that interested, but there are other things to consider. Uh, for example, have there been any acquisitions that can throw off the growth rate? Uh, what about divestitures? Same thing or product cycles, recessions. You can't just look at the financial statements in a vacuum. You really have to consider where these numbers come from if you want to have any idea where the numbers are going. After that, I look at margins. Are they expanding, staying the same, declining? Are the margins good? You can find good companies with shitty margins. Uh, that can be because the company has a lot of turnover, like Walmart or because the company is still growing like Amazon. But generally, if you find a company with consistently good margins, then it's probably a good business. Uh, whether or not it's a good stock to own is another story. Uh, we're going to get to valuation in the next episode. But moving on, I want to get to the balance sheet. First thing I do is check the company's net debt position. I take the company's total debt and then subtract the cash and investments. Then I'll take the answer and divide it by the company's forecasted earnings for this fiscal year. Generally, if net debt is over five or 10 times earnings, then I'm probably going to take a pass. There isn't really any special reason for this methodology. It's just some sort of rule of thumb that I started using years ago. And I never bothered to update it. And one thing I want to mention real quick is that ValueLine does a pretty good job of normalizing numbers and giving you footnotes for their major adjustments. I don't recommend relying on ValueLine's numbers for making investment decisions, but I do find them useful for just sort of screening through stocks. And all right, so uh, before we move on, quick recap. A stock's revenues look good, the margins look good, the balance sheet looks good, you, you understand the business, uh, the company will definitely be around in five or 10 years, you can identify at least one powerful competitive advantage that's gonna keep the company from losing out to competitors, uh, at least for the foreseeable future. Uh, okay, now you're going to do a deeper dive into the company. This means reading through the company's 10Ks and 10Qs and really trying to understand what you're reading. It's not good enough to just plug numbers into a spreadsheet. You really have to understand where these numbers come from. But before we get through the different numbers and the different line items, uh, I want to explain our objective. Our objective is evaluation. And for evaluation, you really just need three things the company's look-through earnings, a vague notion of a growth rate, and their net cash position. Like I said, we'll get to valuation next time. Uh, this episode, we're still gathering up resources. Uh, but I do want to explain what I mean by look-through earnings. Uh, similar terms are core earnings or owner's earnings. 
Whatever, the point is we need some sort of normalized number to base our valuation on. Imagine a bank wanted to know your monthly income before approving you for a loan. Uh, you wouldn't include the government stimulus check you just got, for example. Uh, you'd be expected to give your typical or your average monthly income. It's the same principle here when we're doing evaluation. We're looking for the typical earnings. All right, so the first line item is revenue. Revenue may seem like a pure number that doesn't require a lot of adjustment, but there are things that can really throw off revenue. Like I mentioned before, you have acquisitions, divestitures, product cycles, recessions. Uh, those are the big ones, and you need to adjust for those things. Then you really want to break out the revenue by product segment and or geography, and you really want to understand each segment. What are the different key drivers of growth for each segment? Typically, it's going to be some sort of price number and some sort of volume number. So for example, uh, Netflix, it's going to be the price per subscription and the number of subscribers. And those things are going to be different across geographies. Uh, next up, you have costs. Companies will explain why costs are different than the previous period. For example, headcount is a common one. But sometimes there will be one-time events that will require your adjustment. For example, perhaps the company just paid a huge one-time fee to the FTC. Or maybe you don't believe that fine is a one-time thing, and you want to adjust for legal fees in your look-through earnings estimate. Or another example, during COVID, a lot of companies reduced their travel and ad spend. You may want to normalize that too. Point being, you want to read through all the expenses and figure out if there's anything that requires an adjustment. All right, moving down the income statement, we have other income. The main one here is typically interest on cash and investments. I actually remove this interest, but leave the interest on the company's debt alone. I feel like this probably requires more of an explanation than I feel like giving. Uh, long story short, I don't consider the cash and investments to be part of the company's core business, but I do consider making interest payments to be part of the company's core business. Uh, feel free to disagree with me here or anything I've said. Uh, this is just my opinion. This is how I do it. Uh, I could be wrong, just like anyone else. Uh, another adjustment to other income is Forex. Typically, the foreign exchange rate isn't going to have a huge impact, but it's something to always look out for. Also, you will come across uh, you know, write-downs, write-offs, write-ups. Uh, my favorite example is Disney's 2019 fiscal year. They had bought more Hulu at a higher valuation than they had previously paid, so their investment in Hulu increased in value, and that caused nearly $5 billion dollars to fall to the bottom line. Now, clearly something like that is just accounting gimmick tree and not part of the core earnings. So you need to be cognitive of things like that and be looking out for things like that. Next up is taxes. Be inquisitive if the tax rate is wildly different than previous years. Tax laws change. For example, a few years ago, the Trump tax cut impacted a lot of tax rates. I believe the UK just passed a tax law and I've seen it have a major impact on some US companies. In Microsoft's latest 10Q, they got a $3.3 billion tax refund because they moved some intangible properties from Puerto Rican subsidiary to the U.S. These things sometimes throw off your numbers if you're not careful. And typically, these things will be explained in the reports. You just have to look out for them. Uh, then there's earnings. After I've made all these different adjustments to the line items, I like to make one more adjustment to earnings. I add back depreciation and subtract maintenance, capex, and financial lease repayments. All this can be found on the cash flow statement. But notice how I said maintenance capex. I don't like to penalize a company for growth capex. Companies aren't going to break out capital expenditures by maintenance and growth. 
It's really up to you to kind of decide. It's subjective for sure. Uh, but, but basically, earnings can either be returned to the shareholders as dividends and stock buybacks. They can be retained and just sit on the balance sheet, earning low interest rates. Or they can be reinvested back into the business as capital expenditures. And ideally, the money that's reinvested back into the business will grow at a satisfactory rate for you. You'd rather the company reinvest money at you know, 20% growth, for example, than pay it out to you as a dividend. But if CapEx isn't going to generate a satisfactory return, then it makes sense to start deducting the CapEx from future earnings. Uh, does this make sense? For, for example, uh, Facebook. The reason Facebook fell recently is because investors are worried that Mark Zuckerberg is going to spend tens of billions of dollars each year into virtual reality. Now, if you think that money is a complete waste, then you'd subtract it from future earnings. All right, uh, moving on. Finally, I want to talk about forecasting really quick. I don't put a lot of stock in forecasts, uh, but you don't want, but, but what you don't want to do is say, well, hey, sales have grown at 20% over the last five years. Therefore, sales are going to grow at 20% over the next five years. That's called a naive forecast. Instead, try to find a reasonable basis for your estimates. What is the total addressable market? In terms of customers and or dollars, is it growing? Uh, pay attention to similar companies to help paint a larger picture. Literally any forecast you do is going to be complete dog shit, but you at least want some sort of reasonable basis for it. Uh, also, think about operating leverage. Sometimes a company will have shitty margins, but their costs are largely fixed, so if their sales continue to grow, a lot of money will start falling to the bottom line. But be careful because operating leverage can cut both ways. Uh, if sales start to fall, then all those fixed costs can cause a lot of negative numbers to fall to the bottom line instead. Or take a company like Netflix again. Several years ago, they were spending a lot of money on international expansion, and the sales just weren't there yet. But those sales numbers kept growing, like a son of a bitch, and the costs started to plateau a bit. So you started to see operating income where you previously had operating losses. In other words, don't just think about where the company has been, but think about where the company is going. Though I do want to add that sometimes costs will stay around a certain percent of revenue. In that case, you can generally forecast costs as a percentage of forecast revenue. Uh, but you know, the final point I want to make is don't get crazy with your forecasts. A rough estimate is better than a precise guess. All right, uh, I think that's been more than enough. Uh, next episode, we're going to talk about valuation. Have a great day. Bye-bye.